You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mission Lab. This is episode 69, and it is entitled something along the lines of, is this the way to be missional? I just wanted to share a few thoughts uh, about a few experiences I had recently that had me uh, kind of analyzing whether these were the ways to be missional. I'll make it quick. A couple weeks ago, I was um, at a restaurant, local restaurant that we, uh, a couple of my friends and myself meet at each Monday for a book club. And uh, I'm in a couple of book clubs. So if you've heard me talk about one before, it's a different one that I've probably talked about before. But anyway, we are, uh, we go every Monday night to this particular restaurant and we've gotten to know the servers there. And in particular, We've gotten to know this one new server who is um, a young man that recently moved to the Bangor area from elsewhere. And um, I usually try to learn people's names as much as possible. That'll be a future episode, by the way, the importance of learning people's names, significant importance. But anyway, so I, I learned this young man's name. I'll We'll just call him Todd, okay? So his name is Todd. Not really, but that's what I'm calling it. So I show up a few minutes early, earlier than the other two uh, attendees, and I'm sitting there, and I sit down in a, at a table where Todd was was serving, and I noticed that there was uh, a couple sitting behind me that he was talking with. He was serving them, of course. And then there was a, another couple sitting in front of me at another table. So there's three tables lined right up in a row, and I'm in the middle table. And as I sit down, I am waiting there kind of trying to read my book because it. Uh, I had a few extra pages to read. But I also overhear what Todd is saying to the couple sitting behind me. And they're asking him about you know his life, where he had been living before, what his situation was. And they uh, chatted for a few minutes, and then they were finished, and then they get up and left. So Todd comes over to me, and prior to this, he had told me that he was quite introverted. Um, He told us that a few weeks before, and uh, he just said, you know, it takes a lot out of him. By the end of the day, he's exhausted because he's really, um, yeah, just drained from all the interaction, but he's you know, surviving. And so I said, Hey, Todd, I couldn't help but overhear you say that you used to live, uh, you know, somewhere else. And he described how he had lived in Boston, how he had lived in Florida, how he had lived in Wisconsin, but now he had lived in Bangor for a few months. And he went to describe how he, uh, moved to Bangor with his girlfriend. And, um, you know, just I think he was mentioning how he had had some trouble where he had lived before and was trying to kind of get his life back in order. And so I just listened and thought it was interesting. And I said, oh, you know, thanks for sharing. So after he talks with me, he now goes to the next table. So the table that was in front of me and there was a couple that was there 
And um, I can size some people up pretty quickly. And to me, they just look like they were Christians. And a particular brand of Christians, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of what particular denomination they are, but there are uh, lots of people in Bangor, lots of ladies especially, you can tell, are of a particular denomination. Um, The ladies don't cut their hair. It's always in a bun. They don't have makeup. They wear long skirts. Um, No, they're not Seventh-day Adventists. They are of another particular brand of Christianity, and you can spot them everywhere. I actually have a good friend who's been on this podcast before who used to be on in in that denomination. So anyway, I looked, and the lady looked like she met that description, and the husband kind of had a twinkle in his eye. And uh, as they sat there, Todd went up to them and was, you know, waiting on them again. And I overheard um, the man say something to the effect of, boy, you know, just sitting here like I'm in church or something like that. And the minute I heard him say that, I thought to myself, oh, no, here we go. Uh, This man was kind of, in my estimation, fishing for some sort of of, uh, avenue into a religious conversation. Well, Todd didn't really bite, and so the man just kind of left it. But then the man proceeded to launch into this, I overheard you talking to those other tables and you had said that, you know, life was kind of a little chaotic for you right now, et cetera, et cetera. And then the man said, you know, that's what my life used to be like until I met the Lord. And I, again, you know, at that point, I'm just like, here we go, you know? Um, And so he proceeded to say, you know, uh, Todd, I I don't know if you said his name. I don't think he, he, he knew it. But he just basically said, you know, I was wandering in the wilderness until, you know, I found the Lord. And he said, I think the Lord could really turn your life around. And and Todd kind of like tried to shrug it off a little bit and was like, haha, yeah, you know, I, I used to go to Sunday school when I was a kid. And the man said, well, I'm not talking about religion here. He said, I'm not talking about Sunday school. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. And he said, um, I think... You know, one day you could, you'll, you'll, you'll meet this man and he will change your life. And he said, and then someday you can talk to thousands of people about it. And Todd kind of was like just very, very dismissive and um, was just really like, okay, sure, you know, thank you. And the man, uh, you know, kind of continued in that vein for a few minutes and then you know, they finished up and then Todd retreated back to the kitchen and I could kind of, I looked over my shoulder and I could see, um, that he was talking to one of his coworkers. Meanwhile, the man who had been witnessing, quote unquote, witnessing to him had, uh, he, he looked at me cause he could kind of see that I was sort of taking this all in and he kind of just, he and his wife got up to, uh, leave and they he kind of just looked at me and just kind of had like a twinkle twinkle in his eye almost to say well that's how it's done you know type thing and he he kind of said something to me I don't remember exactly now a few weeks later what it is that he said but um 
he kind of just kind of nodded at me and winked and nudged, you know, winked and nodded. And it was like, yeah, again, like that's how, see how that happened right there. They got up and they left. And um, Todd came back a few minutes later and I just said, hey, man, it seems like everyone wants to talk to you tonight, huh? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's no problem. It's no problem. But anyway, so that's story number one. Story number two, and again, the question that we are pondering here in this episode is, uh, is this the way to be missional? Uh, story number two just happened a couple of days ago. We were at our Christmas parade here in Bangor, which happens every December, the first Saturday night in December. And there's hundreds of thousands of people that gather for this awesome event. It's really a fun time. The community comes together. I know we've talked about it before. So we're there and we are waiting and the parade starts at 4.30 because believe it or not, the sun sets like at 3.56 here in Bangor at the earliest time. So it gets dark pretty early here so we can have a nice, beautiful, dark Christmas parade. So... We're standing there, and we make our way there, and it's about, I don't know, 4.20 or so, and we're standing there waiting for the parade to take place, and um, some of our fellow church family, they come and we meet them, and we have other friends that we're there with as well, and uh, one of the uh, teenage boys, who's one of our church members, he comes up, and he and his girlfriend are holding a cup of hot chocolate. And his mother says to him, oh, where did you get that hot chocolate? And so he says, well, I got it up there on the corner. He said, yeah, we were looking for hot chocolate. There was this one um, stand, this one table, where they were selling cups of hot chocolate for $3. But we went up a little farther up, and there was a table there where the people were just giving away this hot chocolate for free. And so I was like, I'm not a big hot drink drinker. I don't really like hot drinks. I don't like any hot drinks for the most part. But every once in a while, I will have a hot chocolate confession time. But I thought, you know, it's cold. It wasn't as cold as it has been in past years where it's been like 10 degrees. It was upper 20s on this particular day. But I said, you know what? I'm cold. We're standing here. Let me go get a cup of hot chocolate. So I take um, our neighbor friend, uh, Camden's young friend, and I say, hey, you, because he wanted some as well. I said, hey, let's go get some hot chocolate. Camille, ever prepared, had already brought hot chocolate for my kids uh, in a nice thermostat. But so I took young man and we went up to the corner and sure enough, there's this big table with all of these coolers, whatever they are, with all this hot chocolate and there's people pouring the hot chocolate and handing it out to people walking by. And so we walk there and a man says to me, do you want some hot chocolate? And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so he goes, he pours it, he hands it to me. I grab it from him and I go and I, and I turn around and I say, thank you. That's very kind of you. You know, our young friend, uh, he also gets a cup and we go and we're walking back to where we're standing and I look down and I look at the cup and I see that there is a title, a logo written on the cup. And again, my heart sinks because there in big, bold letters is this name of this local Christian church, evangelical church, one of the biggest in the area. And it's a conservative fundamentalist church. And uh, it's very, very well known in the community. 
And as I looked at that, I just cringed and I said, uh, is this what it means to be missional? Now, I don't mean to criticize anybody. I don't mean to criticize the man in the restaurant. I don't mean to criticize the church in the community, but of course I'm going to anyway. But it's this is an honest, these are honest questions. Is this what it means to be missional? Are these missional acts? Is talking to a server who is serving you at a restaurant and is trying to be nice to you because likely he wants a better tip and basically preaching him the gospel right there. Is that missional? Is going to a public event and a parade where people are going to be cold and you uh, want to get, I mean, let's be honest. I'm just going to be honest. Your primary uh, motivation is not to think to yourself, I'm going to help people. I'm going to get them hot chocolate. But I think really what the primary motivation is, is to get your name out there. And I know that, you know, there's danger no matter what we do uh, when it comes to being missional that we really have mixed motives and ulterior motives. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That cup especially, I kind of walk back to where Camille was, Cameron and Ellie, also, you know, our our fellow missionaries, uh, Judy, who was there with us. I said, hey, guys, do you think this is what it means to be missional? I said, it just feels like that cheapens the gesture. It feels like it's marketing. It feels like it is not really being fully selfless. It's like if if simply helping people was the goal, then uh, we wouldn't have to put our name on a cup. Um, now, I know, of course, the argument would be, uh, well, we want them to know where it's coming from and how, uh, you know, who it is that is responsible ultimately for blessing the world. And yeah, I get that, but it just felt like this was cheapening the gesture a lot. Um, I think of Jesus, and I know this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think of Jesus who healed people, and then at times he told them not to tell others who it was that healed them. I know at times he didn't shy away from having that be declared, and so just hermeneutically it might be a little bit of a stretch, but it just seems like being missional is for the purpose of building up the other without agenda. I thought also like of that um, that table that was like just a few hundred feet down from where the free hot chocolate was. They were trying to make money, and uh, like that feels less dirty to me because you know exactly what they're trying to do. There's no like illusions of this, you know, hey, we're trying to help you, but we're really trying to get our name out there. There was like the business, uh, you know, the table that was trying to do business. It's like, you don't feel like you're being, uh, you don't feel like you're being tricked. Um, but I also thought like, 
how does that table that was trying to sell for three dollars a cup? How do you think they feel about the the Christian church, quote unquote, that's a hundred feet up giving away free hot chocolate? Like, I'm sure they're not feeling very good about that. Uh, and I felt bad, by the way, as I walked by the other table. I tried not to look at them in the eye. I probably I didn't have any cash on me. Who carries cash anyway these days? But like, I probably should have just bought the three dollar hot chocolate just to be more missional. Ha ha. Um, but yeah, my dad was telling me a story. I can't remember after, cause he was there with us at the parade and I was telling him about this and he was telling me a story about, and I'm going to botch this up, but I'm going to get the punchline and that's all that really matters. That there was some church that was trying to help out its community and they were handing out, you know, whatever it was, something similar to this. And, um, they, uh, there were people complaining, well, you guys are just trying to do this as marketing and you don't really have, you know, selfless motives in mind. You know, don't put your name on the whatever you're handing away. And um, people are like, well, but we want to know it. Uh, we want people to know that we care, blah, blah, blah. And say, like, well, what should we put on the product instead? And they just said, why don't we put the phrase from God, you know, <laughs> which, you know, that's pretty funny. But um, yeah, I remember reading early on, there was this book um, that was really popular. And it was supposedly this cutting edge book that talked about churches that did uh, service evangelism. And I don't remember that's the exact phrase that was used, but it was a book that was written probably in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I'd heard a lot of good things about it as we were planning to plant a new church. And um, I started reading that book and it was sort of right around the time of the um, the uh, missional ponderings that were inhabiting my imagination. And so it was like, I was a little keen. My perceptive was pretty keen at this moment, but yeah, the church that this author was talking about, his church was, they'd go to parks and hand out, you know, waters a bottle, bottles of water. Oh boy, I just had a Camille moment, a Camilleism. I, I flipped the, uh, the, the the phrase, bottles of water. And they would say, yeah, on a hot day, you know, just hand out these bottles of water and yay, how missional, you know, how how kind are we? And, um, you know, they would, of course, put the name of the church on the water, bottles of water. Why am I having a hard time putting this backwards? They would, um, yeah, you know, like hand out popsicles at parades and like this was the cutting edge. It was like it was called service evangelism, and I remember I couldn't even finish the book. I couldn't get through the first chapter. I was like, "Is this really what it means to be missional? That you have a bunch of people show up to an event and you hand out some sort of item that you only have to do for like? I mean, the parade on Saturday night was like." Those people were out there probably for an hour and a half, two hours, maybe two hours. It's like, that's, you know, that's nice. But what about realizing that the whole of life is the mission? That mission is 24-7. It's not an episode. And I'm not saying, please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that these people that were handing it out, like maybe they are really, really 
incarnational. Maybe they are investing in their neighbors and coworkers and seeking to live lives of blessing regardless of whether they ever come to this church. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm not saying they aren't. I don't know any of them. But if uh, if my experience is any indicator and in what you know, I have witnessed churches in my own context do, a lot of times that quote-unquote, mission is an episode. And, okay, I did two hours of passing out hot chocolate, and then I don't have to worry about that until, you know, next month when we have another service project. And so it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels cheap. It feels dirty. It feels, uh, I don't know. Um, Yeah, it just feels gimmicky and doesn't, take a lot of sweat and tears and investment and really much of any sacrifice. I know it was cold, but um, yeah. Similarly with the guy in the restaurant, um, I'm not saying there is never a time to, to do that sort of thing, but this young man was clearly Todd, not his real name, Uh, was clearly just kind of being polite. And who knows, maybe like 10 years from now, Todd will wake up one day and say, you know what, that guy in the restaurant, he was was right. I need to look into this God thing some more. Maybe, never know. God can use any method. He, and he can use our imperfect methods. And I know that I have very, very imperfect methods. Um, But yeah, similarly, it's like, what about, instead of trying to give Todd a gospel spiel, like trying to hit a home run in one single at bat, what about just trying to invest in Todd because Todd's a human being that needs to have the presence of God in his life or just needs to have somebody who's a blessing regardless of whether Todd ever comes to Jesus, regardless of whether Todd ever is converted and preaches to thousands of people like Todd deserves to be cared and loved cared for and loved just because Todd is Todd and he bears the image of God and um yeah I I, I don't know it just I don't know why we feel like we need to like swing for the fences in every conversation we have And um, again, I'm not saying there isn't times where you're on the airplane, you are at the restaurant, you are on the bus, you are, you know, it's a one-time deal. But um, but again, it's like we can't do this drive-by evangelism. We can't do this thing where we're just trying to get the sale, Um, where... God has called us to invest in people long-term. God has called us to be um, truly his presence. And and there's a phrase that one of my favorite authors, Ellen White, uses a lot where she talks about disinterested benevolence, disinterested love, that we help people, we serve them, we love them, not for what they can do for us, but for what we can do for them. And um, yeah, just that's that's like that type of love. Well, there I would argue there's only really one type of love. 
that love, that behavior is very, very, very attractive. And we're not passing out the hot chocolate because we want them to come to our church. We're not being nice to the server at the restaurant because we want to give them a Bible study. But when we are living in a way that is agendaless, that is without motive or ulterior yeah, motives, like that is attractive. And inevitably people will want to come and see what our faith is all about. But we don't do it because we want to get them to that point. Um, now, even as I said that, I realize that sounds kind of crazy, and I, I'm, you know, I want to be careful here because, yeah, we do want people to ultimately know Jesus. Like that's that's you know the as far as I can tell is the best and most fulfilling life is to walk with Jesus and to know Him. And it brings also joy and satisfaction and peace and uh, removes anxiety. But again, yes, we want people to do that, but we just, if they don't, like that's the, that's the litmus test. Will I still treat, would I still treat this person with kindness if I never knew that they were, you know, if I knew they were never going to come to Jesus? Um, And I hope that we would say yes, because... There are people that deserve, as God's children, to be loved and to be cared for and to be invested in. Um, at the same time, I'm not saying, like, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and we are called to make disciples. Uh, so, yeah, we just have to navigate that. But, yeah, it's just—I think you get the point. So I want to present some maybe positive alternatives to the—instead of just complaining about the— uh, drive-by evangelism I was talking about. So when you're in the restaurant, um, just as a general ground rule, unless there's a huge green light where the person that you are sitting next to, the person that you are, that's serving you, unless there is like a huge green light that says, basically, man, my life is really hard right now and I'm trying to find something better for my life. Unless that happens, just be kind to the person. Practice gospel tipping. That would probably be a greater witness than, you know, trying to give them a gospel, uh, you know, gospel spiel, a gospel pitch. Um, Just be nice to them, especially if you're going to keep going back to that restaurant. Like that's the whole thing. This is a long-term thing where we're going to we're going to live out the gospel towards people, you know, over a long period of time. And if they find the way we do things attractive, that's awesome. If they don't, we're still going to be nice to them. So, yeah, when you go into the restaurant, just be nice to them. Practice gospel tipping. Learn about them for the genuine reason of just caring about them genuinely. Like not just so we can figure out a way to give them a gospel pitch, but like because people's stories deserve to be heard. So yeah, that's the advice there. Um, As far as like the big um, parade events, city events, you know, passing out hot chocolate for free, that's not really free because we're wanting them to come to our church. Again, I'm being very judgmental, I know, but I've just been there. Um, Instead of doing that, maybe we could just like, I don't know, 
give it away for free without our name on it, for one. That's one option. And if people want to know who are you, just say, hey, we're people who care about our city. If God wants them to come to you, then he'll have you run across those people in another context and they'll say, hey, I remember when you gave out that hot chocolate. What was that all about? Well, we're just people who love others and we want to pass along the blessing that has been given to us. Um, so yeah, that's one way to do it. Uh, just passing it out without any name on it. I know it's hard to do, but like we feel like we always have to have the name of Jesus attached to everything we do, but I don't know that we always do. Um, again, I'm not, this is not diminishing the importance of making disciples and having people know about Jesus. I'm not going that way where we're just all like, Episcopals, no offense to the Episcopals, it's fresh on my mind because my rabbi friend the other day was saying, I wish all Christians in America could just be Episcopals who are pro-Israel. But that's another story for another day. Uh, Yeah, I'm not just saying like we're not called to be Unitarian Universalists where it doesn't matter if people learn about Jesus and have a conversion experience. But I'm just saying like we probably should be a lot less eager to have everyone know that we are doing everything because we're Christians. Um, those conversations will surface when appropriate and when God wants them to. Um, but yeah, it just feels like it's so cheapened. It's so cheap. And I'm sorry, I just have to say, it just feels like it's been, it's so cheapened the gesture. I know I've said that a hundred times, but, um, so yeah, do it without a name on it. Uh, another way is, another way would be to, Uh, join another group of people who aren't Christians who are passing out hot chocolate and do it with them because that's an act of service right there. Like you're going to give of your time to join this other group. Like, again, I've said this in the past, but why do we always feel like as Christians we have to create these parallel um institutions and events and yeah, like let's just join up with what's already going on. Let's incarnate the gospel among these other initiatives that are already going instead of thinking we always have to be the ones in charge and doing it. So um, yeah, I don't know if this uh, makes sense to this last idea, but that's what I want to say about that. And you know, God bless these people, both the guy in the restaurant and the people passing out the hot chocolate. I, I'm I'm sure they're genuine. I'm sure, I, you know, they'll never listen to this probably, but uh, I love you. Who am I? I'm just this humble little pastor. You probably don't even know me. But, um, yeah, that's what I want to share. And this is not about just criticizing everyone else, what everyone else is doing and not doing anything ourselves. We are trying to be feebly trying to be the presence of Jesus in our community. And when asked, we give a reason for the hope that's within us. All right. So love to hear your feedback on this. If you have any, drop me a line, seanbrace at gmail.com. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Have a Merry Christmas. Hopefully I'll uh, be talking to you before then, of course. But anyway, be well. God bless. Talk to you next time. Thank you for 
for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Thank you.